Hey, Turbo fans, thank you for joining us for episode nine of the Turbo Comics podcast. This episode, we're diving headfirst into the Marvel Cosmic Universe and taking a critical look into 2006's Annihilation crossover event. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Turbo Comics podcast, episode nine. This one is all about Annihilation with no Natalie Portman. Hey, Turbo fans. Uh, welcome to the cast. I am joined by our Darkhawk uh, fan extraordinaire, Zach. And Hello. Conan extraordinaire, Matt. By Krom. By Krom is Krom. indeed true. Uh, so how are you guys doing? Good, man. I'm good. Yeah. How are you? Well, doing all right. Yeah, I'm your host, uh, Max, of the TurboCast oh, here. And, uh, you know, I always forget to, like, introduce myself. I, I don't really, you know, I'm just like, eh. I just feel like the moderator would let you guys kind of, like, run with things. You know, oh boy! But, uh, <laughs> oh jeez! Kind of like, kind of like guilting me there, man. Jeez. I know you should. You should feel bad. Yeah, but you should feel good because we're going to talk about some cosmic stuff today. I know you guys have been like jonesing for you know the cosmicness here on the cast. You know, wanting to talk about some Marvel mm-hmm. cosmicness. Um, yeah, you know, which is which is awesome because I mean, this was the cosmic stuff was all you know. All of us love that stuff and that stuff that we grew up reading and stuff that we love. We've talked a little bit about. You know how much we love, um, you know, Silver Surfer and the Marvel Universe, and you know we've we've do- dove a little bit into Infinity stuff here and there. But um, yeah. for today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Annihilation. And um, those of you that aren't familiar with Annihilation, you know, when people think of, you know, some of the biggest Marvel crossover events of maybe the past decade or two, um, you know, they'll name ones like Civil War or Secret Invasion or maybe House of M. But very God. few will mention. <laughs> God. That was a painful string of words you just here, said right there. Here, here, here comes the Malar and Bendis. It starts. It starts. It has begun. You know, but people will mention those like Civil War, Secret Invasion, House of M, but very few people will mention Annihilation. And this is sad because most Marvel's, people are dumb. Most people are dumb, you know, but this was Marvel's first like really big cosmic crossover event um, for, a, I mean, in a long time like you know in 2006 when that came out you know and and really what was sad about it is that you know there were very few people i think at that time and 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 more so now but definitely at that time very few people that really spoke very highly of it you know and again i think it was published you know at the same time as you know mark millar was doing civil war and that was such a you know it was a epic ground level event you know that was taking all the attention away from you know what was happening in in the cosmos but Annihilation was really cool because it was intended as something of a, you know, kind of like a different event. And it was, you know, also, you know, and we're going to dive into this in a moment, but it was kind of intended to kickstart interest in the sort of space heroes, the cosmic um, folks in the Marvel universe, because the cosmos of Marvel, um, for those, you know, listeners who are more, you know, indie book readers or DC fans, um, it's entirely a different animal to the counterparts over at DC. You know, it's, it's very different. You know, and while, you know, DC has, you know, pretty much integrated its outer space characters with um, the more down to earth spandex, ty- spandex types a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the Marvel characters are still very separate from that. Um, and so we're really going to dive into Annihilation, what it really Annihilation means, what it, what it really was about, um, why it matters, um, and really just take a look at all the different corners of that particular um, story arc and how, how awesome it really was and why it deserves a lot more praise. So, you know, to kind of give you an idea of what Annihilation was about, 
um, maybe a little bit of a plot synopsis. I'm going to turn it over to Zach. Um, Hell yeah. He's, he's chomping at the bit to kind of talk about this. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Annihilation, right? Uh, it's a cosmic story spearheaded by Keith Giffen, uh, who, a uh, prolific comic writer, you'd know him from Justice League. Uh, uh, gosh, what, oh, what else has he done? Legion Every, of everything. Legion of Superheroes. He's done, he's done all sorts of things. So, um, Annihilation was, in essence, the relaunch of the Marvel Cosmic Universe. Because up until this point, the last time that a major uh, cosmic crossover was done was, I mean, even if, can, if you can even call this major, it was, I think, the Kurt Busiek-helmed Maximum Security crossover, which was in the <laughs> latter, latter half of the 2000s. Oh. Which, I mean, and all much love to Kurt Busiek here, but uh, not his best work. Um, so you had this entire uh, well of characters that, you know, Marvel had this, this vast array of cosmic characters and none of them were being used. So Keith Giffen actually started when he took over for Jim Starlin on the Thanos solo series. That's where a lot of the groundwork was laid for this. And then also into a Drax the Destroyer miniseries that came out prior to Annihilation. But um, so anyways, we'll get into the plot synopsis here. So in in a nutshell, um, Annihilation is the war on the um, regular, I guess, positive matter universe. Uh, spearheaded by uh, Annihilus of the Negative Zone, who uh, decides to attack with his giant bug army, uh, attacks the regular universe uh, because the regular universe is encroaching on the Negative Zone's territory. Uh, at least that's what you find. That's what you hear at first, but the motives are later expounded upon. And I suppose I should say spoilers, since people are upset that we've been talking about spoilers in the last forty <laughs> years. This came out in two thousand six, so it's only been fourteen years. So, oh, yeah. uh, spo- spoilers ahead. Um, so you get a bunch of characters that hadn't really had a place in Marvel comics lately. So you got like your your oddball characters uh, at that point, like Ronan the Accuser, Super Scroll, Nova, Star Lord. At that point, was a super obscure character that nobody right. really nobody really cared about. But Keith Giffen brought him out of obscurity and plopped him into this storyline. Um, so you basically have the Marvel Cosmic Universe uniting to go and fight against Annihilus and his Annihilation Horde. And you've got Thanos involved, you've got Galactus involved, the Heralds of Galactus. Um, various fights go on um, throughout the entire series. And basically, it, it turns into, um, at the very end, Mono Mono Nova, who has inherited all of the World Mind Force into his body because the rest of the Nova Court died in the prologue. Like, it wiped out just tons of characters in the prologue of this miniseries. And you get Nova versus Nihilus, and ultimately Nova wins by pulling out Nihilus's spine guts thing from the inside, like in this grotesque, like giant splash page. It was awesome, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and then that's essentially the, the plot. But I'm not really doing it a whole lot of justice. Like this, this is a series that had the the main miniseries, which was six issues. It had a prologue. It had four miniseries with uh, Silver Surfer, Ronan the Accuser, Super Scroll and Drax leading into the actual miniseries. So this was uh, just one giant event spearheaded by Keith Giffen and also by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who would go on to helm the Nova series that took place after this, as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy series. And you guys take over for a second. I got to catch my breath. I got too excited. It's too excited. You know, I'm I'm excited that you just mentioned, uh, I'm excited that you mentioned Legion. 
Um, just oh, want to call yeah. just want to call that out really quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just want to point that out. <laughs> just want to point that out. But no, I, I I think you're totally right. I think that um, this was you know we we talked you know just before we jump into like all the character motivations and and you know all of the different um you know different aspects of the story that we're really going to talk about um you know we should talk a little bit about um just keith giffen and and man i remember when this came out because i i was a fan of keith's work on uh you know justice league books that he had done um you know yeah yeah (laughs) you know but i i think you know i I didn't know. I guess I really just didn't. I wasn't sure if he had this in him. I guess. Um, and, and, and that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, you look at all the stuff he's done. He's primarily done smaller, you know, team books. I mean, he's done Justice right. League, Doom Patrol, uh, Lobo, uh, Legion, like Ambush Bug. I think. Sure, and <laughs> I mean, and he's he, I, and and I don't want to disparage him because he's actually yeah, one no. of my favorite writers ever yeah, because. Great. His his version of Justice League and Justice League International, um, Justice League Europe, that's my favorite version of Justice League. I love the Bwahaha stuff. That's my jam. But I didn't know when I saw, I remember when these came out, and I I initially was like, Keith Giffen is writing this like mega, I guess, intense cosmic crossover for Marvel. Like that that's kind of a departure from a lot of the stuff that I had it, read from him. Yeah, no, it totally yeah. is. You know, but I, I I do did want to call that out because I mean he the writing in this book is fantastic, um, and everyone really involved was fantastic. I thought it was is really good. But um, I guess going back to the main plot synopsis, what did you what did you think of this, Zach? Did you have any other like thoughts in so, regards to you know that? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the biggest point was that it's like I mentioned, it took a lot of characters and a lot of a lot of really cool properties that weren't being used by Marvel and then put them in a environment where they were used and they were used excellently. Like it just, it's taking all these, all these characters that we've seen on the periphery and combining them all into um, like interactions we hadn't really seen before. So you get like Ronan and Philovel, that's Captain Marvel's daughter, um, like interacting with just a bunch of different characters who are all like uh, basically like, uh, mm-hmm. toys in this uh comic universe but never been put together and having all these characters in one cohesive story like the the continuity between everything was just really well done um it just uh i don't know it just it worked pretty much on every level there there were a few a few not so great points compared to like the actual annihilation series maybe we, we can talk about that later but all in all it just worked really well no, I think you're right. Um, I mean, what do you? What is your opinion, Matt? Did you enjoy the the main plot of Annihilation? Oh, I enjoyed just about all of it. It was kind of at a strange time for me in comics. We've touched upon it before how we had all had that superhero fatigue, and this point, the big two were swinging hammers at each other. They were really going at it with events, rebranding, just kind of making new places in every aspect of comics. And so you got a lot of stuff happening at this client at this time that mm-hmm. you'll we'll talk about later also, but that just kind of set the groundwork for comics for a next the next decade even for the big sure. yep. And Annihilation was very exciting because um you've you've mentioned that the cosmic level stuff had been really dormant. And a lot of these characters also super dormant these are now household names and a lot of these elements you know when i can't imagine what happened when 
you know, Keith Giffen and who is it? Andy Schmidt, I think is yeah, the, the editor. editor. Yep. Yeah. When they were like, let's do this because one thing, I don't know if everybody knows, but Keith was working on 52, which is a weekly yeah. gig at DC while writing this. So when you talk about, do you have it in it in you to make it like, if you were to look back, if I had that, like, sort of, like, you know, I, I don't know. If I had the, the vision to look at that, I would probably even respect it even more at the time. Because yeah, the yeah. dude was doing art on a whole nother weekly book and writing this, like, juggling characters that, like, they, again, dormant forever. But they all have huge histories, huge backstories, you know, yeah, huge sure. motivations. And so it's just a really beautifully tied together event. And one that's doesn't while it does have all the extra books that come with it it it's not one that you're stuck like man i need to pick up 32 spider-man titles you know what i mean like, <laughs> right yeah which book you know like when you're looking on the shelves you're like oh my god when annihilation was coming out it was clear annihilation silver surfer annihilation yeah. ronin annihilation yeah. main book so each each week and you're in the store if you're just a goober like me, you know, being, oh man, oh cool, Annihilation, new Annihilation book, or add all the Annihilation books. And so it just really made it very, very easy to pick up, which a lot of events still have this problem today where sure. you don't know what's tied in. It, you, is your book going to end up being slogged down by the event? That's one of the worst things about a book is when you're carrying it, man, you know, you mentioned uh, DC's really bad about this. All of a sudden, your Green Lantern story comes to a crashing halt because you got to have some crisis. BS <laughs> yeah. you know? and like your your awesome like linear narrative, using that word. Again. Yeah, the book that you've been excited about every month. It's like, well, we got to make sure we say something. So it's like really hammered in there. Annihilation didn't feel like that. It just even with right. like Zach yeah. said, the poorer titles at least felt cohesive, yeah. which at this time was wild. You yeah, know, because again, every everything had a giant crossover. This was like, this was the year that books had a million things going on. You had no book out there where you could just be like, maybe like Daredevil. You could probably pick up Daredevil <laughs> off the shelf and be fine. You know, invincible. Like, yeah, invincible. invincible. You're picking it up the month. All the others are like, holy shit! How many Civil War tie-ins are there? You know, yeah. like you're like you'll pick up the issue. Like Annihilation. What's great too is you pick it up. You, you always know, you're like, okay, I got Ronin to read, you know? It's not like you got 400 other titles to yep, go track right. down. Well, you know, so you we, know what, what, helped with that, what helped with that, too, was in the back of pretty much all the issues, they featured mm -hmm. bios and, like, pictures and, like, quick synopsis of each one of the characters, probably because they were pulling out some pretty obscure characters, but just, just to help readers, yeah. like, catch up. So if you yeah. didn't know who the Blood Brothers were, or if you didn't know who moon dragon was or whatever you could flip to the back of the issue and it would give you basically a laydown of their powers or their main motivations and where they're from and it was based on the whole guise of being a entry from the nova world mine database which was a clever way to integrate it in but it, it helps people who haven't you know haven't had a chance to read about these characters in over a decade like get caught up and figure out who exactly these guys are sure sure and i think uh you know i think going back also to um, you know, maybe wondering a little bit about Keith and, and how he was going to do with this. Um, I, I had forgotten, like you, you actually um, made me remember when you mentioned Starlin, 
he uh do you remember the thanos title that was coming out a little bit before like a year or two before yeah that's uh, the one giffen took over yeah yeah and yep. I, com- I i had completely forgotten about that like um you know i remember that he took over for that and i remember there was like the the fallen one was like you know a big focal point in that that story which is he's also featured in in yeah. annihilation but um yep. Yeah, but I remember seeing those. Like Matt talks a little bit about, you know, seeing those titles on on the stands, and and you know, I really credit, you know, personally, I credit like Annihilation for helping me, you know, continue to buy Marvel comics because I still was buying those Thanos titles. I still, you know, clearly was was purchasing those because all it needed to say on the cover was Jim Starlin and uh, and Ron Lim, and um, I was sold. So, um, oh really? Yeah, pretty much. Even <laughs> even if. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, dude, it's 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 Starlin and Lim. I mean, I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna whatever, pick it up dude. See, you, you know? You're gonna read Infinity Crusade all the time in your off time, dude. Come on. Well, well I mean, you know, you gotta read Infinity Crusade. I mean, no, you don't. I mean, that's that's gonna one be our. Uh, well, one one time is enough, but we'll have our entire episode <laughs> where we dive into Infinity Crusade and talk about okay, how good. great it is. But, um, <laughs> but that Thanos title was really good. I actually really liked that title. It was a lot of fun. Um, but one of the things also just to give a quick shout out to um some of the other people that worked on um on these annihilation books was you know we, when you saw these books on the stand man i mean they popped like i mean oh, wouldn't you guys agree i mean oh, the, yeah, covers, yeah, the covers these things were were sick i mean uh i think gabriel delato did like most of these covers i think he did all of them yeah i, I don't remember one he didn't do so. yeah I, I think he did everyone and they're freaking fantastic like yeah. everyone is just like I, you would see that on the on the stand and you'd just be like i well i'm buying that so yeah. um you know it was so good but what did you guys i mean yeah. uh, you know we we talked a little bit about um you know, we gave our spoiler warning and we're talking a little bit about, um, you know, the plot and we're talking a little bit about, you know, what is annihilation, you know, why it matters and, and the, the, you know, the influence that this has had. But what about the plot did you like? I mean, we've given our spoiler alert for our listeners out there, but what yeah. about that story did you so, really enjoy? So I, in one way to summarize it, it would be that this, and this is hilarious to say about a cosmic comic book, but the stakes felt <laughs> real. Like when when I saw somebody get killed, which happens uh, quite a bit in in this storyline, like it felt like, oh fuck, that is the last time I'm ever gonna see Quasar again. Like yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when when also, what, not to interject too much here, but uh, what Zach's talking about is we hadn't got to the point where characters had been like immortal, where they just kept coming back instantly. So when that happened, when these things happened, you were like, shit. You know, yeah. So where he's talking about the stakes being high, it was like shit. Yeah, no, it definitely felt that way. I think it was, it was either in the the Drax mini or uh, I I can't remember which one it was in, but uh, ultimately Quasar and Wendell Vaughn, him and Nova decide to go and fight Mm -hmm. Annihilus, and Annihilus just straight up steals the quantum bands from Quasar and then kills him, like leaves him a a dried husk floating in outer space, and you're like, oh fuck, there goes there goes a hero I've known for the last twenty years, (laughs) dead, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like just super unceremoniously, like just Annihilus is just stronger than him, takes all his power, and you're like, oh my god, like it, you know, Quasar might not be the biggest name to die, but it just felt so. it just had a lot of impact. Quasar's pretty big, dude. Well, like, I mean, like, 
Quasar is definitely big for for those of us that you know grew up when we did, especially because I mean he was in a ton of books in like the late eighties yeah. and early nineties. Had his yeah, own yeah. series, <laughs> you know. I mean he was yeah. sometimes made fun of a little bit. Like I think his ongoing was sometimes made fun of as a joke sometimes. But like yeah, you know, Quasar was a cool character if you like cosmic stuff. Yeah, no, he was and he was awesome. Now he's you know he's he's dead. Uh, <laughs> You know, and it just it just uh, really kind of hammered home the the stakes that were going there, and then plus to also see the uh, this is not a word, so forgive me, but uh, the bad assification of certain characters, namely uh, towards Nova, who became a super oh, power yeah. powerhouse in this series. Yeah. I mean, he was a I mean, I'm gonna call him a joke of a character, but he had his own mini he had his own regular series for like 25 issues. He was in the uh, New Warriors, and then uh, what? He he basically faded into obscurity. But then, like he he went the uh, you know evil uh, Hal Jordan route and became a super Omega level power by you know everybody else around him dying. It's just it, mm-hmm. it was awesome. It's awesome to see that character progression. And same with kind of underrated was Drax. Uh, so yeah. Dra- Drax back in his creation, and then through a lot of the Jim Starlin like Infinity Saga stuff, he was just basically a big uh, dumb. Brute that would yep. go after Thanos, and that was it. But in his miniseries, he's killed by the Blood Brothers, and uh, I think Pybok, who's a scroll for those of you who are wondering who Pybok is, <laughs> um, and then he's reincarnated as the Drax that has appeared in all the movies, like the you know, I guess the slightly autistic, leather pant wearing, tattooed like that. That is the Drax that. Uh, base basically he was a little bit smarter in the comics but basically came out of annihilation so his character was completely revamped and that character is basically the new standard for how that character is going to be interpreted from here until the guardians of the galaxy movie stop and that was sure. all that was all because never. of Keith Giffen. yeah never <laughs> yeah. pretty much well, yeah, yeah well the revitalization of all the characters is kind of a, a big focal point of the series and that's really yeah. what when you start reading it, you know, you, you're kind of reading it. And like you said, the stakes get super high. The characters are different than yep. what you've known before. Like, again, a lot of these characters felt like jokes or D-level characters at best. They sometimes appeared when some writer was like, man, I love this character. I'm just going to throw him yep. in to have some stupid, you know, appearance. And, yeah, like Airwalker. Yeah. And, yeah. Or like some of the lesser heralds, you know. Redshift, dude. No um, Airwalker hate. Come on now. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I love Airwalker. Well, yeah. Well, now, yeah, you don't say that. <laughs> now, yeah. but at the time, you know, people would be like, "Who cares?" You know. Right. But for a lot of this, I think just the revitalization of them. You mentioned Nova and turning Nova cool was really, uh, man, that had to have been a hard time. And that's probably one of the most shocking moments in the series is. When it's essentially again, spoiler, the entire Nova Corps it's wiped out, and he yeah. inherits yeah. Like Alexander, yeah. yeah, and how he handles that, he doesn't super well. He, you know, Richard doesn't do super well at being like the leader or the lone guy or even the hero of yeah. the story, and so it's kind of cool to see him come into his own as the hero and whatnot. And when um, he's deal- dealing with the yeah. survivor's guilt and everything, and that's where. Drax come in basically to try to coach him almost to like how to yeah. wield this this newfound power. But I mean, that's an awesome way of, of humanizing this giant cosmic moment with you know intersecting universes and then basically putting it all on one guy and like having him trying to process all this stuff. Like it, it made Richard Rider feel like an actual 
human and like that that's something that it's also kind of rare in comics because like all this grandiose shit happens all the time and people just kind of brush it off because we're used to reading about it but i mean you don't know what it's like to be the only survivor when your entire you know it you know your entire brotherhood gets wiped out you know he was yeah, the everything. only guy left literally yeah, billion, everything yeah. yeah and billions of lives on xandar were lost like uh, all of it was gone i yeah. think that's a that's a really good point because you told you you mentioned like survivors ago that i mean you totally see that in the comic yeah you yeah. know um you, you definitely see that i think like I, I, I'm I'm a little um, saddened by the fact that we're kind of like talking about how these characters are are sort of like D-listers, um, you know, and and maybe it's because <laughs> and maybe it's because you know I grew up with so many of these characters, like I I grew up seeing Nova, you know, in the Spider-Man you know books and Avengers and things like that. You know, I grew up seeing um, you know Super Scroll and all these other characters. So you know, it's a yeah. uh, it, you know, but I you know it was nice to see them bring these characters back to the forefront. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was just great to see a lot of those characters again in this story, you know, the ones that I grew up reading and, um, you know, and even though some of them, you know, are, you know, you guys are right, you know, a lot of them are probably D-listers or, or you know, C-listers and, and, you know, they weren't like the forefront heroes for the Marvel Universe, but a lot of them were characters that I really, uh, you know, enjoyed. I mean, obviously, we all knew about Thanos and Silver Surfer and Galactus, but... Um, what about, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, Richard Ryder. We talked a little bit about Nova and, and, and why he's, I mean, arguably the best character in Annihilation, um, just because of his story arc, how he's dealing with the loss of, you know, the entire Nova Corps and, and all of Xandar. Um, billions of lives are lost and how he has that survivor's guilt. But what are the other characters that you like or what are some of the things, the sto- pieces of that story, maybe panels in those particular issues that you really enjoyed? uh matt do you want to go or do you want me to go because i already got mine well you know i i think my favorite part in it and i'll I'll talk about panels first is the binding of galactus when he's basically being fueled for the war machine and he's being siphoned but Mm. when he breaks free and the tide kind of turns in the last issues when he uh, him and the surfer essentially come back and then just all hell breaks loose. Harold my rage. <laughs> yeah, Harold my rage. And he sends him off and it's just everything's getting toasted. The actions, you know, going through the roof. And it, this is when the story you're like, oh, you know, this is the heroic moment. It, but it's also still like when Galactus and Surfer show up, they don't care. It's just like you know, they're just laying waste to everything, which means you're heroes too. Ever, you know, the people that are trying to turn the tide, the good guys. And so mm-hmm. everything is getting laid to waste. And you're like, oh my God. It was a very cinematic moment. And so that's probably my favorite panel, not only because those are two of my favorite cosmic uh, boyfriends, but because <laughs> they're, you know, it, it was just such a cool moment. The whole yeah. thing with oh, yeah. Galactus being binded in general when he well, was I, a I nihilist guess... was. We we should talk a little bit about what uh, role the heralds played in all this because they were a pretty important piece, man. So a lot, uh, yeah. yeah. So you you had um you know Galactus and Silver Surfer. You know Galactus, obviously the wielder of the power cosmic, gives it out to his heralds. Um, basically, Annihilus was trying to uh, take that power for himself, and I it, it slips my mind. I wish I remembered it, uh, but the, Annihilus wielded essentially the uh, negative zone equivalent of the power cosmic and gave right. it to mm-hmm. various characters, uh, including Ravenous, who was basically like his herald. 
and mm -hmm. Ravenous was tasked with going after and capturing, uh, along with Thanos. Thanos was involved with Nihilus as well, um, but going out and capturing the various heralds to include Silver Surfer, Fire Lord, uh, Stardust, Redshift, Airwalker. Yeah, they actually got they got Terax and turned yep. him to their side. Airwalker, rest in peace. Um, and <laughs> you know they, they go through the whole thing and they, they actually capture Silver Surfer and Galactus. And like, and not only is that a cool moment for uh, you know for us to see, but it's also like when the like when the Peter Quills and the Richard Riders when they hear about this, it's like utterly devastating to them. They're like, oh yeah. shit. Like we have lost this shit now. Like they have Galactus, we don't stand a chance. And well, uh, the heralds were keeping them afloat through the whole battles. They were really, yeah, the the almost deuce exes there when they were nearing defeat. It was herald time, you know. Fire, fire lord yeah. up, lays waste. But when they're gone, there's no one else to help them. That's that sort of like uh, power yeah. level. There was well, when they, that when the, when they find out that basically that entire major battle where they're kind of making progress and holding back the annihilation wave, um, but they're still losing, they're still having their forces, you know, having to retreat, they're still losing, you know, all of their supply chains, and they're still losing like all of the wounded who can't, uh, you know, retreat fast enough. Um, when they find out that all of this work and all of this effort and all of these lives lost were basically just a distraction. And meanwhile, they're actually seeking out Galactus and all of the heralds so that they can harness the power cosmic and yep. and utilize that to, you know, for for you know means that you know you'll have to read about in the story. But that's I mean, you you're totally right when you talk about how you actually felt like you're you're in this, that there's stakes because the way that like the way that Nova is just completely dejected. Yep. Like com just completely devastated and dejected on top of like everything else he's dealing with that survivor's guilt and and the only person that's really bringing any levity to the situation is peter quill who's kind of a douche um at times yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and let's he's say the, the humorous this... counterpoint he's the yeah, yeah he, 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 is. Is. he is but but he's he not is. he's not he's not quite like how he is in movie wise no, like that. he's no. just he's just more of a sarcastic asshole the whole time yeah and like he doesn't really do a whole lot of fighting like he's mainly there for like intelligence support and all that to uh nova so he's not like Sure. Like the wisecracking, funny dancing guy. He's just more of like, uh, "Hey, dude, we're about to all die." Bye. Like he's just he's yeah, super. Yeah. yeah, his humor's the super. Seeds different planted, the, yeah, the, they, se well, the seeds are planted though. Yeah, the seeds. The well, seeds are definitely planted. The seeds are planted because he actually was in a comic book. I mean, when was the last time <laughs> Peter Quill was in a goddamn comic book before Annihilation? Like it'd been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're totally right, and I, I think, um. I think thinking about my favorite panel in, in the book, and, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what Thanos's motivations are in the story, because, you know, obviously he's our, you know, one of the biggest characters in this, in Annihilation and his motivations definitely matter. But, um, you know, those of you that know Drax know that Drax's whole intention is, you know, his whole reason for living is to, to track down Thanos and to kill him. Um, and you can read a little bit more about the backstory on that online, but like my favorite panel in the book um was essentially when Drax achieves that, when he actually kills Thanos in the book and just like you know pushes his fist like through Ch Thanos's chest and takes out his heart. Yeah, um, it's like a Mortal Kombat fatality. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I mean it's this gigantic, yeah, gigantic full page panel of just Drax like punching his his fist through the back of Thanos and out through the front and holding his heart in his hand basically. Yeah. 
Um, I remember when I first saw that because you don't have to remember, I, you know, growing up, Drax was a doofus, you know, Drax was just this sort of just stupid character um, that was, you know, for almost more for comedic reasons than anything, yep. you know, when he was part of the, you know, Warlock and the Infinity Watch crew and all of that. <laughs> and he was, he was just kind of like silly and, and, you know, doofy. So this Drax was just, I mean, as we, as we know now, this Drax is just lethal and cunning and smart. And I mean, I was shocked when I saw that panel, I was just like, holy shit, you know, but, it was cool about that panel and, and was, you know, Thanos sort of anticipated it in a way and, and let it happen because he sees like death, you know, standing in the corner, you know, before it happens. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, yeah. and understands that that's going to bring him to, to his mistress. Yeah. So the, I, I do got to say, this is probably my least favorite representation of what death looks like in the Marvel universe. Yes. It, it looked like yes. a small little boy. Like, like wait, wait, yeah, like for the couple panels. <laughs> yeah, it, like yeah. Y- you get the, you know, you got your Starlin, um, you know, like classic Lady Death, um, and then even like the newer stuff with the Donny Cates, it looks kind of like a an anime girl, like Death almost. Like mm-hmm. I, I, would pr- I prefer both of those to Little Boy Death that appeared in Annihilation. Yeah, I, I didn't understand like Squire Boy Death. I, yeah, I was Squire like, Boy Death. There you go. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what is this? I was like, I that, didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. That moment's great because there's a bunch of levity to all that with Drax. Like as Zach had mentioned that uh, Drax had come back and he's kind of this new and improved Drax, this murderous and crazy, you know, much much better, not that doofus anymore. But he also has a very strained relationship with his daughter, Moondragon, you know, who's there and trying to plead and he's trying to do the right thing, but he has no frame of reference. Like he barely even knows her. And there's this other character from Earth that we haven't mentioned, Cammy, kind of tags along. But Cammy is he he has this sort of relationship with Cammy, almost like father and daughter again. And so it's just nice to see a character like Drax, who's completely void of any storytelling, actually have dimensions. And so, yeah, and that happens a lot in this. There's a lot of subtle, very, very small, nice moments in uh, Annihilation that you don't really see in a book this big. Sometimes so, those moments get lost. So what do you think about what do you guys think about Thanos's motivations in Annihilation? It, I don't I don't think they were the strongest. Like, I mean, it, it, I think if, if memory serves, it was a curiosity basically that drove mm-hmm. him to doing it. Like he wanted to see what would happen. I mean, that, that, that's fine, I guess. It just, it seemed a little lackluster for Thanos. Like if I'm, if I'm trying to give Thanos a motivation for helping somebody destroy the universe, it's basically because it satiates death and like it sure, appeals yeah. to mistress death. Like to me, that makes more sense than him just basically wanting to see what would happen with the change of order. You know, it just... I, again, yeah. Uh, yeah. But do you think that I feel like? You, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Oh no, I was gonna say shockingly, I feel like Thanos is one of the worst supporting characters in this, and yeah, tech, and usually this is like where Thanos he shines. shines. Yeah, it's this is where you bring him in. You bring Thanos in, and he kind of had weird motivations, and also his uh, betrayal, quote unquote, um, was kind of odd because. Normally, yep. utter death is something he's searching for, yeah. for mistress death. But then he's kind of 
torn because it's not him doing it or like Zach said it's for curiosity I, I really felt like Thanos was there for all the other characters motivation so yeah. I, I kind of and a just, bummer yeah just, well, just clarify, yeah. clarify what, what Matt's talking about here um, so you know Thanos basically helps Annihilus capture Galactus and the Silver Surfer and turns them into weapons and he's got this fail safe in there where basically he can turn off the weapon and there's this kind of weird moment I, I think it's issue 4 or something like that when he uses Moon Dragon to tap into Annihilus's mind, and then mm-hmm. he sees what Annihilus's end goal is, which is basically the destruction of everything in the negative zone as well as in the regular universe. And mm-hmm. Thanos actually like he doesn't like that for some. Well, well why do you? Why do you? Uh, well, why do you think that is? Why do you think he doesn't like that? I so I I don't know. You, you think that the so entirety jealousy. entirety death. Yes, of, that's exactly it. Jealousy. It's it's but, jealousy because he he wants to allow the annihilation wave to do its work. Because if you remember reading the prologue, he's he's you know death essentially tells him that something wonderful is going to to happen. Um, but you know he he so he wants to see the death. He wants to see the destruction, and he's enabling mm-hmm. that because it's going to make you know Mister Death happy. But when he finds out, because you know, Moon Dragon taps into the mind of Analysis when he uh, Annihilus, when he finds out that it's the eradication of everything, I think Matt's right. I think it's partially jealousy. And then if everything is gone, there's no balance. And how can death still exist if there's no balance? Yeah, and I mean I could see that. It just it wasn't touched upon really in the yeah, actual series well. itself. It, right. Yeah, it wasn't because I mean, literally after he taps in, like uh, like five or ten pages later, he's dead. So you don't get really sure. a chance to <laughs> yeah. to expand upon why it actually like bothers him or why he doesn't want to help Annihilus when really it, up until that point it makes sense that uh, you know it, he would want to go along with it. So it might it might have been nice if there would have been one more book, maybe. Um, one more annihilation book, um, just to or kind of a one shot out. for Thanos. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah. One sh- a Thanos one shot. You know that would have been nice, but yeah, I think that's probably the weakest yeah. part, or it, it, at least weakest story part. There's um, there's other criticisms of annihilation that we haven't touched upon, and yeah. for me, that's mainly the interior art at times was kind of uneven, but not bad. That's not. That's, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would say that the actual the miniseries itself was fine, but some of the miniseries, uh, kind of yeah. suffered from from lack of quality art. Definitely looking at the way of uh, the Super Scroll uh, miniseries, and then the uh, Ronan the Accuser miniseries, and then as well as the uh, the prologue. Some of the series in there weren't given the best artistic treatment. But again, sure. I think that was because all the big names were tied up with you know civil war and all this other shit that was going on at the time so yeah no yeah. definitely and and uh can you remind us who was the artist for it was it andrea de Vito? yep as the main i think he was the main guy for yeah. most of the you know yeah. he's he, you know he's someone that i do you, do you guys see him on a lot of books nowadays i don't rec, you know see i haven't the, seen the name in a while yeah i haven't seen him in a while but um but yeah i mean you know it's it is pretty good art i mean i, I would have much preferred ron limb sure <laughs> please, <laughs> please or you know or george perez or, Dude, george perez doing the annihilation wave would be fucking awesome oh it would have been insane. he would draw each individual bug with its own personality and backstory and shitty costume it'd be awesome i know they would have the, <laughs> yeah you know. i actually think uh devito is doing uh conan the savage sword oh. of conaners 
Okay. Like, I think he did some Conan stuff, but yeah, and some of the other stuff, like, so, I, like, I know Scott Collins did work on it, too, and he's kind of hit or miss, and so, like Zach said, a lot of the big names were all tied up. This was really, I think this was a labor of love project that was brought together for, you know, like we mentioned earlier, uh, Schmidt and Giffen, you know, like those guys really pulled this whole thing together. And so, you know, it it really didn't get the art or the attention it deserved. I mean, even through all this, the, the sales of the book were low. It didn't do, didn't do bad, but didn't do great. You know, this is exactly probably what Marvel was hoping for from it. They probably actually exceeded it because now, you know, it's, it's still relatively unknown. Strangely enough, yeah, know, it's mind-boggling for... to me, man. Yeah, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, and that, because it is, it was such a huge event. It did have, um, you know, far-reaching implications that we're still seeing today um, across the entire Marvel universe. Um, you know, and and maybe again, like maybe it's because a lot, a lot of the characters that we're talking about here weren't, you know, incredibly, you know, significant at the time. Um, I, I, there's two characters that I mean, obviously, I, I really enjoyed, and one of them was Ronan. Um, I loved Ronan in this. Wait, in this wait, story. wait, 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 wait! But before before you go into this, you gotta okay. let me say my favorite panel because I'm of a feeling you're gonna steal it <laughs> if you start talking <laughs> about Ronan. What, um, what is it? So it's oh. this it's this mm. beautiful, beautiful little character moment after um, Nova, Ronan, and everybody else um, gets after the Galactus uh, weapon blows up the planet they're on, and basically they're deciding where to go next. And, uh, Nova's talking to Ronan. Ronan's going to go back to, uh, Hala, back to the Kree homeworld and like try mm-hmm. to basically get support there. And they have a, a little discussion on what to do next. And, uh, there's, I, I forget what it is exactly. Um, but Nova corrects Ronan on something. And then there's this odd silence. Ronan turns his back and like walks away. And then he tells Nova, uh, were you Cree, I would call you brother. And like mm-hmm. that, that's such a, it's such yeah. a strong. F- and then there's just, after that, there's just a long shot of Nova, like staring out of the planet, like just taking in like, and for those of you that don't know, Ronan the Accuser prior to this series was probably, oh gosh, I, I don't really know how to describe it. Like he was a very bland character in that he was just, it was a super one dimensional. He was yeah, very one, yeah. one dimensional, super so the Kree are a very war type race in the um, you know Marvel Cosmic Universe, and Ronan was basically the the head of head of all that. Like he was the most military guy, and he just he just didn't have a lot of dimension to him. But this fleshed him out, flushed him out so much, and he, the fact that he was able to recognize that somebody had earned his respect enough to where he would consider like he says, calling him his brother if he was a Cree. Like, that's just such a huge character moment for both the guys because it shows the fact that, um, you know, he's willing to, uh, he's he's growing as a character and he's reaching out and he's taking in more from uh, other people. So it's just, I, I don't know, it's just really a powerful moment. And uh, I don't know, it just, it really struck a chord with me. No, I totally agree. I think that panel was like fantastic. And, uh, you know, were you Cree, I would call you brother. That's like one of the most... I guess just like kind of gut wrenching panels, but also just one of the you know just 
and it's a gorgeous panel too like it the is, art yeah. in that is like fantastic but yeah. it's one of those panels where you're just like holy shit because yeah. if you if you know that character like you just said he's such a stoic one-dimensional character like forever and this yep. is showing like another side to ronin so it's building upon he was dumb yeah was i mean dumb. well it's i mean, I mean nobody I don't, really I, nobody I, loved ronin the accuser before this like he yeah, probably have. not probably not loved you know but i mean he he was he was an important part of like the, the Kree and, and Marvel cosmos. But like, yeah. I think, you know, the great thing about annihilation is like, we've been talking about is that it's putting a different context. It's giving these characters a new life. And, yeah. uh, and even at the end of annihilation, you know, we talk about, um, I think there's a reference, uh, I can't remember who says it. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's star Lord or Peter Quill says something about how Ronan was willing to make Nova an honorary Kree. And that, you know, you can count the times that's happened ever in their history on one hand. Like, that's, yeah, like, huge. It is, yeah. And Ronan has the distinction, like, he, he did a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, like, he he's the one that basically beat the uh, Ravenous character we talked about who was Im- imbued with the, you know, negative zone equivalent of the power cosmic, which is a big feat. He also basically destroyed the corrupt Kree uh, leadership. Uh, he mm-hmm. killed the Supreme Intelligence, who, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Kree uh, Supreme that's Intelligence, huge. it's been around since, gosh, the Fantastic Four 65 or something like that. Like, it's, you know, a big, that's basically the, the hive mind of all the Kree leadership. Um, and bottom line, the uh, corrupt leadership kept the Supreme Intelligence kind of a stasis. So it was really more of a, more of a mercy killing that uh, mm. Ronan did. But uh, he's also, unfortunately, uh, on the side of uh, one of the moments I like the least about Annihilation, and that's in the last issue um, when they basically launch like the buildings of Hala at the Annihilation Wave. Like Every mm. every building in the Kree Empire has rockets strapped to the bottom that are capable of shooting into outer space. And uh, then all the Kree jumped out with their little jetpacks. Like, it just... I don't know. The visual of like buildings shooting into outer space didn't really do it for me. I mean, I guess it was a cool. I guess it was a cool moment, but uh, I, don't know. I thought I was. I thought I was sick. Oh man, no. <laughs> it just that was great. It just didn't do it for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, and, and the other thing, um, you know, you mentioned it, like when he when he takes out Ravenous. That's one of my favorite panels, also in the whole series. But yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the buildings and stuff, and take, taking off, and all those guys jumping off. I can see how that might be a little crazy or hokey but we're talking about a cosmic universe here you know you don't know what the gravity yeah. levels are like on that planet well actually i won't go into it uh, here we they go didn't even, they didn't even check the weather conditions before they launched their rockets <laughs> what if there was a crosswind oh my god Anyways, yeah i guess well, i think you, you kind of hit blast it, it was, the cosmic weatherman oh i wish <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I won't go into it, but it, it was, I guess it was a little hokey. I you know what we were talking about earlier with the, um, uh, you know, the, the dangerous nature, you know, characters getting killed off. And then at the end, you got buildings flying up in the atmosphere with little dudes. Like, it just like, it just didn't do it for him, but you know, whatever. It's small, yeah, my my, my assumption complaint. is that because they're such a, a, a military superpower that they would create like buildings that could, you know, be ejected from the cities. As ships, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Uh, you Escape never know pods? when this. Yeah, you never know when the scrolls are going to come. You know, you, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You know, your entire like city can be a fleet in a moment. Notice, I mean, that's smart, right? So, yeah. oh yeah, that's another big moment we never talked about. It was Super Scroll coming back? Oh uh, yeah. Like. What do you guys? What do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I know Zach loves the Super Scroll, so there's he was probably fist pumping when you read it so no i mean i'm totally totally stoked that he was back and he had a little bit of 
character and uh you know it just uh i i, I don't know the the super scroll stuff it was it was fun and they hit some stuff with his uh son uh which they kind of dropped after the mini series um big time <laughs> yeah so i i don't know the super scroll mini series is probably my least favorite and the super scroll wow one of my favorite characters uh it just i don't know he felt uh, he felt more of like a foil i guess to or like a counterbalance to ronin because they played off each other a bunch uh, I mean, you know, which is cool. It's cool having a, a scree, mm-hmm. a scree, geez, a scroll and a cree together on the same side, like fighting against something. But he just, uh, it felt like he could have done a little bit more because they did so much with, the, you know, with the Novas and the Ronins and all these characters that he he felt like, uh, I don't know, he just kind of got the short end when it came to big characters. But, but I mean, whatever. It's cool to see him come back and actually do something. So. Yeah, I was. I thought it was really yeah. cool. You know, I, I, you know, there's one other character I want to kind of address before we move on, and that's Annihilus himself. Um, you know, this is, you know, we, we've seen Annihilus before in, in lots of different books in the past. Um, you know, but what did you guys think about him, like, being the main antagonist in the story? Like, what did you guys think Fucking about his characterization? Terrifying. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, well, when you yeah. start out, it, not so much. I was like, Annihilus? Okay. And then throughout the all the minis and everything, he's just this murderous, in, insane despot from the negative zone. And yep. it's not that he didn't have like great characterization before, but as you know, has been clearly stated on the cast here so far, is that he hadn't been used in a long time. So when I'm like eh, Annihilus, we we got Galactus in this, we got yep. Thanos in Thought this, us, yeah. we, yep. we got so many a listers. Yep. Yeah, see, but here's the thing, is that the fact that the A-listers had all been used ad nauseum. I mean, we'd see Thanos in so many crossovers. Right. Like, having a Nihilus yeah. in there was a breath of fresh fucking air into the... Co- like, like this sure. is an actual threat uh, that we haven't really <clears throat> explored before. And he's, you know, I mean, they kind of jacked up his power level and whatever. I mean, you can't really complain about that. Well, you, you gotta do to. that. You, yeah, yeah, you had to, if you're gonna make him a cosmic level threat. Um but it just it it was it was such a, a nice change of pace and it honestly kind of unexpected because the negative zone crossing over into the cosmic universe hadn't really been done a ton at that point and having um having a character cross over like that and then it'd be such a threat in a different environment was it it just it was it was so nice so refreshing to see it just uh I, I honestly like I can't think of another villain that could have made it work like that and then had it be so original. Like if you put Thanos at the head of the Annihilation Wave, then yeah. everybody would just call it like in a different version of the Infinity Gauntlet, you know? Sure. Like and or like if you put what Blastar, like I mean like Blastar <laughs> Blastar while cool, like it's just hard to picture him at the helm of a giant insect <laughs> army. Yeah, you know. I mean, but Annihilus, like, Annihilus, you can do though. Annihilus, you can you can picture that. And what was great about the writing is that you know you have like this you know mega just armada of like these weird insectoid creatures and um, alien insectoid things. And you know Annihilus, the way that it was written, like Giffen like wrote him to almost seem otherworldly. Like I thought, like the writing was really cool because you feel like Annihilus isn't normal. He's not from you know this universe he he almost seems 
is just rationale and and the way that he approaches his interactions with all of the the primary characters we see particularly thanos he almost seems like a a foreigner just because he almost seems like i don't want to use the word insectoid but he he just seems different i guess and it's not just because it's it's not just because the word word balloons are purple either so (laughs) well that's a good good point is the interaction between annihilus and thanos look thanos doesn't get spoken to very often with like the way that Annihilus did, like order, yeah, you know, yeah, like order or bust around or to eat, just in general. Yeah. Thanos, he had Thanos has had a long history of being a big baddie before this, and so yeah. to have Annihilus basically giving him orders, and even when Thanos was trying to reason with Annihilus, Annihilus is like, "What are you?" You know who cares? Like yeah. you're, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not listening to you. Like you're here to serve a purpose. Remember that. Like that. that yeah, it's like he doesn't. He doesn't know. He he knows a little bit about like he he mentions the I think the Infinity Gauntlet like before in, in the story, but he doesn't really know everything else about Thanos. He's just like, oh yeah, I heard about the Infinity Gauntlet. That's too bad. Fix this flaw. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 Why why am I not the same thread as Galactus? You know, he, he yeah. treats Galactus just like a power sort, like you're stopping to get gas or something. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like why isn't my tank full? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that's it's crazy that you know, you get these A-listers, and Zach mentioned this, the A-listers get put in their place. You and know, that's literally. that's and that's the characterization that I'm talking about that makes this work because you feel when you're reading this and you see how Annihilus interacts with all of these characters that we know and, and we know how powerful they are. We know like their, their history and, and you know, that, you know, how much, how, you know, Galactus is like a God basically. And I mean, and yeah, he's like, you said, he's treating him like a power battery. Basically yeah. he's treating him like nothing, you know? So he really does feel like an outsider, like a foreigner in this, in this universe. Yeah. It's awesome. I, w- I wish more comics would do that. Cause we fall into the trap of, the same characters fighting the same characters and, you know, same villains, but it's, it's so refreshing. That's why I loved acts of vengeance. The, uh, 90s yes. crossover. It's because it, I mean, even though that was the whole point of the crossover is to make villains who don't fight, uh, heroes normally go fight them. Like that was awesome because like, I mean, when, when are you going to see like, you know, the wrecking crew versus the X-Men? I mean, it's, it's rare when that shit happens, man, right. but it, it's like, it, but it's nice to see. It's a good change of pace. You don't always need to have, you know, daredevil versus Kingpin. Sometimes you can have <laughs> daredevil versus, Oh, I don't know. Darkhawk. Darkhawk. Sure. <laughs> why? They actually Still cry. Man. They cry. Still, man. Oh, still, man. Yeah, something, something to mix it up, make it a little bit more fresh. You know, yeah, I, that's I, enjoyable. I, I think that's a great point, and I think that kind of leads us into our next topic, which is really talking about, you know, the legacy of Annihilation. What is the legacy of this, you know, two thousand and six book, um, yeah. and and really, where does it, where does it stack up in relation to, you know, maybe some of the best Marvel crossover events that we've ever seen? Yeah. All right, I got a, I got a spicy take inbound. With- <laughs> <laughs> without without annihilation as it is the marvel cinematic universe you know all the movies we've all seen and mostly enjoyed uh would have been nowhere near as structured and nowhere near as fun and nowhere near i i would almost wager say guardians of the galaxy would not have even been made if it wasn't for annihilation yeah 
that's my that's my spicy take and the reason why i say that is because annihilation ultimately leads into uh guardians volume two which has the um the cast that we all know and love from the cinematic universe so you got your your Groot and your Rocket Raccoon. And $5 to anybody that can tell me where Groot and Rocket Raccoon were prior to that miniseries. Nobody had even touched those characters in decades until they dug them out after Annihilation was over. Same with Star-Lord, same with Gamora. All these characters that became insanely popular, like Groot and Rocket Raccoon, or like, and even Star-Lord and Gamora, they're, they're pop culture staples. Like, you know, I am Groot. Everybody knows what the fuck you're talking about. And that was... Because of the groundwork that was laid from Annihilation. And then the tone of the Guardians movie was laid kind of with what you guys were talking about earlier. With how Peter Quill as a character was brought back in as kind of a wise, cracking, sarcastic character. right? So that, that was transferred to the rest of the Guardians via the James Gunn movies. And you know James Gunn was kind of known for his slightly more humorous takes on properties. So he, you know, he put a little bit of himself in there, but he also had Peter Quill as a, uh, a conduit to put all of his quips and everything into, which really helped set the tone for the rest of the Marvel universe. Like the, you know, the jokey, then serious mm-hmm. you know, you know, stuff mm-hmm. that works sometimes works less better other times. But uh, I mean, so that, that whole tone was, was set from annihilation and that concludes my spicy take. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a pretty spicy take what do you think matt well you're absolutely correct on that 100 yes. percent. there's nothing that I, I, there's no way that any of these characters would exist you know as they do now without annihilation and the pop culture icons that 90 percent of the people know wouldn't exist without Annihilation. And it's insane that Annihilation doesn't get the credit it deserves or even mm-hmm. recognition. The re the retweaking, rebranding, whatever you want to call it of these characters are you know the the most modern take. And even if you take it outside of the MCU, the cinematic universe, for a long, long time we have had the same ramifications, the same characterizations that were laid here. Lake Bear yep. during this time. So it's monumental in yeah. the framework of the cosmic universe. And not just yeah. cosmic, but even other areas of the Marvel universe. This is a crazy time. I mean, we we haven't touched upon it too much, or we, or we did a little bit. There's like Civil War was happening. Yeah. Planet Hulk was Ooh. happening. And all these elements, <laughs> you know, this at the height of the ultimate line. And all these elements from this period have been kind of picked apart and deconstructed to form sure. the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a lot of ways. Very little of things that happened before are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, e- even things like the Infinity Gauntlet isn't even remotely like the Infinity Gauntlet storyline for the most part. Sure. So, sure. E- you know, the Annihilation kicking off and starting this is created just a very very modern take and nobody talks about it nobody ever brings it up i know everybody has fan favorite opinions about it nearly everybody i know that talks about it is like wow you know it was really cool because there's this there's annihilation and we will probably talk about it later but conquest which has a lot even more drilled down characterizations that we know so 
yeah you know this it's a huge huge ordeal that it, you know just kind of gets you know swept under the rug because we talked about all these other things that people know they're like oh planet hulk uh civil war yeah. uh all these other things that are at. you know this yeah. book even sold poor in comparison yeah. it did yeah and, and but I, and i think um you know we talking about the legacy of this is is important and, and I, I totally agree with everything that you guys are saying and I think that one of the reasons why this this story, why Annihilation really stuck out, um, at least for me personally during that time frame, is that, you know, well, I mean, Giffen, uh, I mean, Griffin wasn't afraid of like, um, I, I, I guess having some type of moral ambiguity for some of his characters. But the nice thing about Annihilation is that he wasn't afraid to just show like here in a lot of ways, this kind of felt like an old time story because he unashamedly showed heroic good guys against irredeemably horrible bad guys um there wasn't you know there was middle and shades of gray here with Thanos and things like that but um you know at that time you had you know house of x and you you know i had civil war (laughs) you've always had these you know that we keep seeing these stories like zach and ferd of like the same characters battling each other whether they're the villains and the heroes or the heroes battling heroes and so you know we were seeing all of that but this gave rise to something, you know, I guess a little bit more comfortable for me as a reader, um, it, it, more entertaining, certainly. And I, 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 there's a line in, in Annihilation where, um, you know, Nova is just talking about, um, why he became Nova. And he says, you know, I became Nova because of them. And he's inferring, you know, kind of like to the hero's birth and I'll stay Nova in spite of them. And I think that's a great line because, you know, he he talks a little bit about what's going on on Earth. Like, oh, they're too busy with their their, you know, s- silly little quabbles, and you know, they're they're the nonsense that's going on Earth. And what we're doing here is far more important. You know, it's it's yep. you know f- the cosmic story that that you know was able to to be passed to us with annihilation, showing us that there's you know more than just there's, I guess, more story, I guess, out there than just what is happening on earth. There's bigger things at play here. Um, you know, and it's great because like, it was like, we've talked about it broadens, like not only our perception of their Marvel universe, but it also allows like writers like Keith to really play on like the philosophical and the abstract of all of that, which is really, really fun. Um, and really makes, again, I think the story, I mean, we all kind of returned to it and, and, and read some of the, um, accompanying books and, and maybe the books again themselves, but it really, I mean, what did you guys think? Do you think it holds up? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it holds up way better than the uh, contemporaries of the time. So, I mean, I'm already biased because I fucking hated civil war and house of M. Um, and, but, uh, and, and honestly, I didn't like, I liked world war Hulk or no, I liked planet Hulk, but not so much world war hulk so right, right. uh yeah but uh compared to those it's it's, it's not even close like it's just it's such a uh, the the scope is bigger the characterization is better somehow with the scope being bigger which just boggles my mind um uh, it's just it, it's such a it, it, it's it, i really can't overstate how much better it is than the other stuff that was coming out at that time um it's just it, it, it's it's painful honestly that people would default to civil war like house of m being a a favorite of their series at that time when annihilation exists i I honestly can't think of any reason why somebody would like that more than annihilation where 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 do you think this stands up where do you think annihilation stands up in in your favorite crossover events ever crossover are we talking strictly marvel or are we talking yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep it marvel Marvel. yeah um Off top, I would say it's in the top five. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Is it, 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 attacks one, two, three, four? Obviously. <laughs> one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, four point five, and then finally a nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but it's it's up there, man. It's it's uh by my standards, it's a classic story. And it, I'm hard pressed to think of anything that's come out really in recent times that uh can even match it aside from the sequels like annihilation right. conquest they, even that one wasn't as good but you know still pretty damn good sure sure what about what What about uh you get an honorable mention to operation galactic storm or no yeah oh yeah dude the so my favorite part about operation galactic storm favorite part is the if you ever read the what if op, it, it's what if the avengers lost operation galactic storm it's yeah yeah it no it's brutal as shit like all the Avengers end up like in a chain gang and stuff on the Shi'ar. They're all like unceremoniously killed off. Like Wonder Man dies like fifteen times. It's just like, it's 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 a lot of fun. The actual story, not so much, but the what if is a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I really like my favorite part of this is that of all the Avengers to mention, it's Wonder Man. Well, yeah. <laughs> like when you're, you're talking about the big moments on this, let's talk about Wonder Man. Well, let's talk about died, Wonder Man. He died so many times, dude. And he just Wonder Man's always like I got a soft spot in my heart for Wonder Man. Like the, the, <laughs> the poor dude, like he just I don't think he ever really had a fair shake. Like he uh I don't know, he had the fucking jet belt for a while. You guys remember that? Just, oh yeah, like, Wonder uh, Wonder Man rules. Yeah, no, he's he's a cool character. Yeah, yeah, sure. just, yeah whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm not what? like completely jonesing for Wonder Man like solo series or whatever, but I think he's a fun enough character. Well, when uh, Marvel is able to bring Tom and Mitch over, then they'll probably do a Wonder Man series. So keep your eye Ooh. out for that. Sure. Um, what about you, Matt? Where do you think this stacks up as far as like your favorite like crossover events in Marvel history? Pre- pretty high, and it, it might not. Certain parts haven't aged well. We we mentioned parts of it that like uh, you know some of the extra series the side series didn't do so well that's kind of to be expected with a crossover but even still i thought those were pretty awesome the art at times was kind of lacking in comparison to other big events but you know we kind of mentioned that also rockets I on the bottom really, of buildings yeah I, <laughs> I have a big big soft spot for this because this was at a period where i had, um again we had mentioned i wasn't digging superheroes for a big period and Don't blame you. Yeah, and there just wasn't a lot of good stuff happening. But mm. all of a sudden, the big two, all both of them, just went full tilt. You know, everything was an event. There was something happening. Every book had some sort of giant ramification. It was almost overwhelming. And as a comic fan, if you're a fan of any of these characters, even remotely, it's almost like you had to tune in. And mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of it was not good at that period. And so this was almost purely comic. And what I mean by that is it felt like you're reading comics like as a, as a kid, as you were a a young teenager or someone who was really into sci-fi or, um, you know, you mentioned those characterizations, the sure where it's like clear, good guys, clear, bad guys. It just felt good when you read it mm-hmm. and it, the conclusion felt good, which is 90% of what these bigots don't have, especially right. that same year. We talked about house of M terrible mm-hmm. conclusion, civil war. One of yeah. the worst conclusions, you know, you had to wait way long for infinite crisis, similar, you know? So 
when you're Fair waiting enough. for no yeah, he's right and, you're right <laughs> you know i mean i do love i do love the infinite crisis but also it doesn't have that great a conclusion and most of them sure. because they're underwhelming in a lot of ways and annihilation felt like someone had actually sat down thought through wrote the characters anew made it fresh but still kept like a clear through point which is something that doesn't happen even today still it's a problem with massive crossovers or you know the summer spectacle or whatever you're getting yeah so you know and again to have the lasting ramifications and have it be so uh swept into the rug to speak yeah yeah you know, or forgotten is a, is a shame really well, and, and, and I, I agree with what you're saying as far as like the ramp up and everything but even then like it still left a, a door open for a sequel and a character that would appear later on which i mean bit again spoilers uh but essentially annihilus uh is reborn from one of his brood mothers and so like at the very end after the original annihilus is dead you see uh, uh like a little still in the insect mm-hmm. sack fetus or whatever oh, annihilus yeah, yeah and then yeah and then the egg would come up in the the Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four, I mean, the Annihilation Wave would start to rebuild in the negative zone with like a little kid Annihilus there, and then they would ultimately kill uh, Johnny Storm actually over in there. So, I mean, like it's still, mm-hmm. th- they still, uh, you know, planted enough seeds for other writers to pick up off of and continue the story That's arc. Huge. Yeah, while That's still, huge. while and- still uh, bringing a satisfying conclusion to their own story. Like it's just, it's not something yeah. that happens very often. Well, and that's what I mean. Like it's just purely, if you're a comic fan and which I feel like as maybe a disproportionate number, but 9% of comic fans obviously have to be like sci-fi and fantasy fans as well. Um, unless you're super cool and you know, all the indie books are your favorite right from the get go. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, like there, there's very little sci-fi stories that are as uh, satisfying and conclusions and just recharacterizations again they've made these characters and household names they turn to have it be forgotten like it's a shame go out go out and pick up annihilation and annihilation conquest and read them like and rekindle your love of science fiction yes please oh definitely yeah and it's just because it's just so so great and it you you again you feel like a teenager i remember picking up those you know, science fiction books, because that's what pretty much all these comics are, you know, and you feel in the pure joy of reading, you know, the heroes and the right. interesting concepts. And, you know, Max touched upon the nuances with it, even though everything's black and white, there's still a little bit of gray and there's still characters with different motiv- motivations and what's happening. And it, it's just fantastic. And, you know, I I just feel like everybody should read it. And it, the fact that it's, you know, we still talk about, again, House of M or Civil War, shit like that. Uh, like, it's, it's, you know, yeah. while those it, things it, were huge, you know, like you should be, you should be looking back and thanking Keith for what he's done. I mean, this guy has done so much work in the comics industry in general. He's also a super underrated creator, you know, oh, as yeah. a writer, yeah. as an artist, you know, I know he's gotten kind of, uh, he's been bamboozled uh, for having uh, controver- a little bit of controversy with his art as like uh, photocopying or whatever. But, um, you know, I still think well, his art's pretty great. He, you know, he, he's certainly a legend of the industry and he's, his, his, you know, contribution to, you know, again, one of the most important 
crossover events, one of the important um, you know, stories of the Marvel Universe. This is a hallmark, hallmark event, hallmark story. For me, it, you know, it, it's definitely, again, I think with you guys in my top five, um, you know, probably ever, um, you know, certainly, you know, even probably further up there if we're just talking about cosmic stories. Um, you know, and, I, and again, I really like that we touched upon, um, both of you guys kind of touched upon this, about how it felt like you were reading a book as like, like you were fewer kid again. You know, and and it really did that for me. You know, I mean, I remember picking up, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, those books off the stand. And I remember, you know, even to this day, they're some of my most favorite books. I love them to death. Um, I love Infinity War, too. Not so much Infinity Crusade, you know, but, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> you know, but but it really felt like I was reading something like that again. And it got me really excited about, you know, about you know, the Marvel comics again, about these characters, about the cosmic universe. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have another cast and they're kind of follow-up cast where we're going to talk a little bit about cosmic stuff. Where we're going to talk about some of our other favorite cosmic stories. And we're also going to address Annihilation Conquest in that cast. Um, and I actually liked Conquest. I, I thought it was good. Not quite as good as Annihilation, yeah. um, but it was good. It, you know, it, it definitely um, is way worth reading. It's definitely a great sort of like bookend to... Um, all of these these books that you can get, all these Annihilation books. And I think, uh, you know, kind of like, and both of you touched upon this, I think that we're going to see more from the Annihilation narrative, more from this um, story arc being pulled into the films. I think that they're definitely not done borrowing from this yet. Um, you know, I certainly think that we're going to see some more there, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, what do you, I mean, do you, do you think Go they're going to ever bring in another character from, from Annihilation to the films? Yeah, I mean, I could see, uh, uh, maybe not so much Moondragon, but I could see, like, Philovel making an appearance. But honestly, I, I think maybe they've drawn most of their inspiration already. Like, I, I feel, and maybe it's just because it's the new hotness or whatever, but, like, with the rumors of Thor going with, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy and everything, like, mm-hmm. with the next movie, like, it just feels like they're leaning more to- towards a, a null appearance or something. Like, I, I could picture him yeah. be- being a bad guy before I could picture, like, the Phalanx Covenant or something like that. But that's just me. I could be you wrong. You don't, think they've ever, wrong. you don't think they'd introduce Annihilus? I do. Uh, if, if, I do if the Fantastic Four movies ever become a thing. Mm. I, I, I wholeheartedly think that they will. Because, I, I mean, this guys, is... You get introduced the, the, to the negative zone before you do that. Yeah, so. and and the, hey, that's totally true. You're 100 percent right. And I think that this this is uh this whole storyline. I mean, you don't you can you can switch out some of the main characters in Annihilation if you're going to adapt this for film, but it's almost film ready. I mean, it's like boom, it's such a you know black and white kind of you know story that it's not you could you know talk all day about the Annihilation wave and the negative zone like coming into. Yeah, you know, eradicate everything. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it just requires some setup. I mean, I think you just uh, like having having a Fantastic Four movie. Um, oh God, I hate saying that phrase because that just brings back so many bad memories. <laughs> yeah. if, if there is a Fantastic Four movie that uh, maybe didn't have Doctor Doom as the initial villain, that maybe built on like a, a negative zone type thing, and then mm-hmm. uh, maybe introduce Annihilus that way, maybe something like that, we could we could see it work. Um, but I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, why why wouldn't they want to introduce such a awesome character? But yeah, I would really love to have Annihilus as you know, kind of like the 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 big baddie introduced in Fantastic, introduced yeah. in the first Fantastic Four film. I think that would be actually yeah. it would be awesome if the Fantastic Four were like you know trapped in the negative zone to begin with, 
in the film at the very start of the film. And we oh. see a, 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 just a tidbit of Annihilus and, yeah. and then he comes back later on. Maybe like they've been the, there. They've been there for like 40 years and then they have to break out and then they break out and then the like Avengers are a thing now and all the shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it would I be awesome it's... if they have been trapped there. Like, you know, since like, you know, maybe like the fifties or sixties. Yeah. And what do you, you know... what do you think match? I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of the Marvel universe here is going to hinge on, and this sounds crazy, but how, the Doctor Strange movie plays out. Mm. Um, Ooh, I thought you were going to say Eternals. Well, I, I think the Eternals, uh, while batshit crazy that they're making an Eternals movie, is going to play mm. it relatively safe. You know, as probably like a huge, huge movie. I think Doctor Strange 2 is where they're going to take a lot of risks because it's introducing the multiverse and what's happening there. And so uh. you could probably see things come from that and you know this is a whole giant subject you could talk about but the you know introducing the multiverse brings in you know possibilities of fantastic four x-men golden age you, you know all through i mean guardians of the galaxy of the 31st century or some shit you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i think you really might see you're probably gonna see some weird cameo or something where they're uh you know, he's looking at multiple timelines and you're going to see like a glimpse of the Annihilus time, timeline. This is uh, the Annihilation timeline. You know, yeah. and you're going to see all these different points and, you know, it's going to give Marvel the ability to pluck out of that. I, I still believe in my heart of hearts, and Zach will love this, is that you're probably going to see Kang uh. as another <laughs> villain and then you know, doc, no matter what happens with the Fantastic Four movie, it's Doctor Doom. There's not another right. villain that's coming. Like, sure, there's not. It, it's just not. And you know, with however the the film series play out, I, I doubt Doctor Doom is a one and done villain. Oh, he so, can't be. He better not be. No. That would be terrible. Well, yeah. They already did oh, that be before, terrible. man. Yeah. Well, they've oh. done that with other, you know, other villains, but these are like they're not the Doom status yeah. so right fantastic four is for doom I, I i don't think there's going to be a nihilist because i don't think it's going to be a giant cosmic event i think they're going to try to reel things yeah. back in a little bit and that's this is just personal opinion without any foundation you know but i sure. think the, the doctor strange movie you'll see like all sorts of different like nods you know different things that sure. happen in that will you'll find you know just I don't know. They can go batshit crazy. I mean, they could have, you know, they've already. You've heard. I've heard rumors where they want to make like a Spider Verse, a live action Spider Verse movie. Oh yeah. Guess, well, guess where you show that cameo in there? You know, like it'd be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I guess we'll see. You know, I, I think you're right though about Doctor Doom. You know, he has to be like the main character for. The, so, you know, and, and this ties yeah. into all of the Annihilus stuff because Annihilus was first introduced in the Fantastic Four annual. But, um, you know, I really, I, I really hope that when they introduce Fantastic Four, and you know they inevitably will, I hope they actually introduce them as as having been trapped in the negative zone since like the the 50s. So they're like sort of the, that pro typical family from the 50s, and they've been trapped in the negative zone with Doom since then. And you can, you know, and then the whole movie is about them coming to terms with our reality now. And, but, but I mean, like Marvel does with that teaser at the end of the film, you can show the negative zone again and you can give an annihilist teaser there. So you don't even have to have him as the villain for the first film. And that way you yeah, can, like, there's a whole yeah. lot with that. 
we yeah. still haven't seen they teased adam warlock you know and so <laughs> they did we haven't yeah. Gone, we, yeah you know and i thought he would show up in you know the avengers like uh, yeah infinity War that's where War. his gem is so you know where in the hell is he gonna fit in or is that even gonna be dropped you know so far marvel doesn't do that they'll introduce something you know eight years prior and then make it into a thing but I don't know. You're you're probably more likely to see something like the Nova Corps being disassembled, and then like what happens in Annihilation, where it all gets inherited by one person, and then sure. I I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. Who knows what they really want to do? Again, they're making an Eternal Eternals movie first, and that would have been probably <laughs> one of the fucking last things I ever yeah. thought. It is pretty yeah. fucking kooky, man. Well, and just the caliber of actors you have huge name actors as every single person nearly or at least up and coming actors and what <laughs> like for the yeah. eternals i mean they're not household names but i mean you know it'll probably be the same feeling i had when i watched guardians of the galaxy when i'm mm-hmm. like holy yeah. shit you know i'm sitting in the theater watching a guardians of the galaxy movie but they made it work and uh-huh. they actually hedged a lot of bets on that so i don't know we'll see it, it, it's gonna i the Eternals are the big one, but I think Doctor Strange 2 is a sleeper because that's going to have the multiverse. And so Marvel's going to be able to kind of Dude, tweak things I, as they see fit from that. I, I hope you're right. And I hope Marvel does it like how DC did it in Batman v Superman, where they just have all the clips of like the random characters doing stuff like it was filmed right up close in front of them with a, a movie camera. So like they have high quality footage of Aquaman underwater in the flood. You guys remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they do it just like that, man. That would be, I, I'm being extremely sarcastic here because that was extremely <laughs> poorly well done. Yeah. yeah I'm just like, they, they'll probably just do something a little, little more sneaky and have it off in the background or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever uh, happens, think- you know, Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think, you know, I mean, the whole, there's multiverse in the title, you know, strange is going to strange places and hey, and, you know, again, he's, they're going to be able to take a lot of risks with that movie, you know, as far as playing with like timeline and how to incorporate things, because, you know, there's absolutely no way they don't incorporate their second largest franchise, which is the X-Men. You know, or it used to be their largest franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, after you know Avengers and Fantastic Four is their thing. That's Marvel's thing. There's nothing. You know, there'd be nothing Marvel yeah. without the Fantastic Four. So, yeah. You know, and that's a hundred percent. You know, they're yeah. going to be pulling stuff from that. So, uh, as far as how that it fits with Annihilation, I think he's going to get left out cold just because. The story's too similar to Infinity Gauntlet. If they sure. try to pare it down, you know, it's going to feel too much the same. And I don't think they're going to want to do that as far yeah, as that's probably right. the next thing, yeah. you know, sadly. Because it is different in the comics and it does have a whole different gravity in the comic books. But as we know, that doesn't translate to film. And so when the yeah. time comes, they they have a lot of things to consider with all this, you know. And you can on, almost on see how they've end. already you can almost see how they've already kind of borrowed a little bit from Annihilation, um, you know, with the Chitauri, yeah. you know, and, and how their ships mm-hmm. look and all of that. So, um, you know, but, you know, like like we're talking about, it'll be really nice to see, you know, some of these characters in Annihilation on film you know especially galactus and silver surfer you know we would love to see them um you know 
you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But, you know, for our listeners out there that haven't read Annihilation, go out and get this. I mean, go out and find it, um, buy the issues, you know, buy the digital books, you know, buy the omnibus, omnibus if you can find it. I mean, these are fantastic books. Most of the, you know, side books are worth reading. I know, you know, Zach didn't like Super Scroll Book and it was, the art in it is pretty bad. Um, but, you know, most of the side books are really worth reading, especially the Silver Surfer um, ones. I thought they were really fantastic. Um, so definitely check this out. If you're into cosmic, you know, stories, if you've read Infinity Gauntlet, if you've read Infinity or any of the other, you know, cosmic Marvel, you know, books and you're just, or you're just interested in these characters because you don't know that much about them, you know, seek out these books because they're, they're some of the best that you're going to be able to read. And um, as you can see, we've all been huge fans of this story. So we were really happy to bring um, kind of this topic to you and shine a light on something that was a little bit underappreciated in the Marvel universe, but we're going to try to wrap up the cast. Um, but we did have our question of the week. <laughs> all right. So you guys ready for this? Yeah, this is really just Zach's a, question of the week, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole nother cast, by the way. You might as well log off and come back later. Because... Yeah. <laughs> this is where you hit stop. <laughs> Never. <laughs> All right. So the question of the week is What was Darkhawk doing during the events of Annihilation? All right, everybody, let's sit back and relax for a second here. So. <laughs> At this point in Dark Hawk's uh, biog- biography, right? So the, his 50 issue <laughs> miniseries. No, no, Matt. <laughs> it's okay. So at this point, Dark Hawk's 50 issue series had wrapped up. Uh, and he made a little uh, side appearance uh, appearance in the, the Loners. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he was mm-hmm. there with Turbo and Lightspeed from the Power Pack and uh, Ricochet from the Slingers group uh, during the Runaways saga. He was in there. And then this was before uh, the whole secret invasion where he went to go work for Project Pegasus. So this is kind of a kind of a dull time in the life of Chris Powell. So if you flash back to issue number 50, um, basically Darkhawk defeats the Overhawk. And then you get this little <laughs> snippet at the end. Get this little hang on, hang on, hang on. You get this little snippet at the end uh, where there's two old guys at a place called the Chronopolis. Now, the Chronopolis, as you find out in Avengers Forever, is basically the homeworld of Amortis, who is another identity of Kang the Conqueror, uh, who time travel lord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they are talking about how uh, they call him the Powell. Uh, Darkhawk, that is, was truly the greatest hero of his era and that the world was fortunate to know his like. So <laughs> that's true. That that's how this that's how the original 50 series ends. It ends with basically alluding to the fact Darkhawk's gonna be a great hero. So this would tie into, of course, the fanfic that I've alluded to on several episodes <clears> here, <throat> where uh it turns out that the uh during this time period, Darkhawk would be fighting in the time stream uh, fighting against Kang on behalf of Amortis. Uh, that's where my fanfic goes, just so you guys know. Because uh, <laughs> I also I turned it into the fact that Amortis created the Darkhawk amulet and that the Kang stole the technology. So that's my answer to this question of the week, is that Darkhawk is in the time stream Ooh. fighting Kang on behalf of Amortis. If you have any questions on that, which I'm sure somebody does, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at paperabysscomics. Uh, I've got six issues done of the miniseries. I, I'll be happy to send you some uh, for you to peruse at your leisure. Well, Matt, we do, where, uh, Matt, where do you it, think Darkhawk was? I, I mean, if we have any listeners after that, oh. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Oh, what are you supposed to do? 
Like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do right now. Like, <laughs> what, what do I say? You know, yeah, I, uh, I feel there... like I just, I feel like I just stripped naked in front of like the entire <laughs> podcast audience. Like I just bared my soul for everybody to listen to right there. Yeah. And it's hey, you bared something harsh. Ew. No. <laughs> well, honestly, I don't think Darkhawk was doing jack shit. I'm pretty sure he's just hanging out with like Starhawk and 691 and chilling. Like, I don't know what, what, what earth is back from? Is he from this one? Like, yeah. Is, is Darkhawk from the six? Yeah, of course he's from the six. Of course he is. Yeah. You yeah. idiot. Is he? Is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had, if you'd paid attention <laughs> to the Darkhawk talk uh, episodes, he's had crossovers with Daredevil, Spider Man, and the UFOs. Yeah. Oh, God. UFOs. I mean, again, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, you know, so, is he dating Kismet? Maybe. I don't know. So, like, Darkhawk Dark Dark was like a sitting in a Starbucks, like reading a book or just working at a Target or. Yeah, he was hanging out. Like I said, yeah. he, him and Starhawks. Starhawk comes from this 9 1 to chill with uh, his uh, named Dude. brethren and hang out in an apartment and I wonder what uh, like Daredevil's doing or something. <laughs> He's probably doing he... nothing. Well, it, I, don't nothing. Know, and his, I don't think he had any role in Civil War, surprisingly enough. Like right. when when Captain America and Iron Man were going at it, none of them thought to. You're call surprised Darkhawk didn't have they, anything. Yeah, to do yeah. They, they, <laughs> Iron Man didn't think, hey, we should call up Darkhawk to help fight the Captain America. Like that would have been a cool. I, man, they just need to send. They just need to send Darkhawk over to the six nine one. Like, go hang out with Vance, Astro. Oh, like, uh, they should do a team up. Yeah. Don't you think they should have a buddy comedy? No. Well, you know, I no. I, I think uh, Vance Astro. You don't want to see Vance Astro and Darkhawk. No. I mean, not unless it ends up with uh, Darkhawk getting Captain America's shield, and I'm all down with that. Which uh, those are well literally good. the only 691 characters I can think of. Isn't part of the 2099 universe part of the 691? I don't remember now. Gosh. Like Ravage or something. Well, Kill Raven. Kill Raven. Kill, Kill Raven. Raven. There yeah. you go. Well, I think I'm, uh, I'm trying to send Darkhawk away. You're just trying, trying to get to rid of Darkhawk, is what you're trying yeah, to Dark do. Hawk, yeah, Darkhawk. Darkhawk, go to the Starbucks in yeah. the 691. Yeah. Please go away. No, I, I think, um, you know, Darkhawk Dark Hawk ended with issue 50, right? And that was like, what, 1995-ish, around there? Yeah, well, I mean, um, technically there was an issue 51, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, all right, well, we won't, we won't go into that. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> it's not that it, bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad, you know? dude. He got turned uh, into a kid. What, what do you mean it wasn't bad? You know. Well, you should be happy that they actually made an issue. Mm. Well, anyway, I mean, Max, you were saying. Well, understanding that. Okay, <laughs> say, let's say Darkhawk ended in 1995, right? So that's that's when that series ended. Um, you know, you know, it, it, for those of you that are New Warriors fans out there, um, there was a New Warriors <laughs> book. I, I think it was Volume Three. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it was New Warriors Volume Three, and it was during the initiative event and all of that. I remember reading. Um, I remember reading that. And I think that it was really interesting because in that book, I think it was issue like three or four. Like I'm a big X-Men guy. So in issue three or four, it was really funny because they, the new warriors, that team had converted um, a murder world location into a train room for the new warriors. So if you don't know anything about murder world, this is a, you know, something that's essentially created by arcade. Who's, you know, this genius who can create like these like crazy, (laughs) crazy, you know, like, I guess, um, you know, theme theme parks and things like that where people get trapped in them. There's robots and it's cool. So, you know, the New Warriors are using, in, in 2006, they're using this old Murder World location and they've converted it into a training room. I purport that Darkhawk has been trapped in that Murder Room location since 1995. 
So when they come in and, and you know, they start using that, you know, as a training room, they yeah. find that Darkhawk has been trapped in the murder world location um, since 1995. And they're able to, to rescue Chris, who's been eating, you know, saltines and rats for the last 10 years. Whatever. He's been in there training the whole time to become the greatest hero of all time. <laughs> I just want to know, Zach, why have you written Miranda in all this? You haven't mentioned her at all through all these podcasts. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just haven't really thought of a spot. I'm kind of fixated. I'm, uh, I'm you know, focused on one guy here. <laughs> well, Miranda's his, like, fiancé. Isn't he, like, married in shit now? Like, Darkhawk? No, Zach is, Zach is married to no. Darkhawk in the fanfic. Yeah. No, we're going to... We're going we're gonna, to yeah. retcon all that. Don't you worry. <laughs> I thought, you know, that's what I'm saying. Isn't he just, like, chilling in his apartment with his, like, fiancé or whatever he is? Yeah, he, he had a... He had a I, I can't remember if he was married or not at the end of the 50. I think he had his girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. There, Sorry, there's, there's, Max, Max talking yeah. about New Warriors made me start thinking about Speedball for some reason. Man, I, I'm surprised we didn't talk about him at all, talking about Nova this entire time. Well, yeah, you I got, mean, no, Nova. Yeah, well, specifically Speedball circa Civil War era, after he, like, after they went to go capture Nitro and then they blew up that school bus full of kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, and then he became Penance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What fucking shit was that? Well, like that's such a. This is another cast. Yeah, this, this is a... another cast. Oh, oh yeah, is... <laughs> I forgot. We, we were we were wrapping this up. I wanted to badmouth yeah. Civil War. Oh, well, right. that's the that's the hate on Mark Mallar cast. So, um, okay, you'll have, you'll have yeah, you'll have plenty of uh, you'll have plenty of material for that. But uh, but yeah, I think we're 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 time is up, and we're gonna try to wrap it up. Um, let's kind of go around uh, around the Murder World facilities here, and uh, where can we find you guys? Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought there completely. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Let's wrap this up. Paper Abyss Comics on Instagram. Uh, look me up there. See any recent comic purchases, and also go to YouTube. Uh, search for Dark Hawk Talk. And uh, I've been kind of slack, and life's gotten in the way of doing uh, any additional uh, uh, episodes. But I think I'm up to issue eight right now. So uh, go on there and listen. Uh, you at least have an hour and a half worth of solid Dark Hawk entertainment via YouTube. Solid. What about yeah, you, Matt? Oh, I mean, just go find all that Dark Hawk right now. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> no, you can uh, you can find me on Exalted Funeral, everything, Twitter, um, Discord, um, all of it, Facebook, Instagram, everything. That's what uh, I help own and operate that. So if you want to buy some weird Weird, weird fiction. Not as weird as Dark Hawk Doc, but weird. Um, I'm also <laughs> Cosmic Skull Comics. You can find me on there. You can find the similar thing of all the weird books that I'm finding out and out there. So, um, yeah, where can we find you, though, Max? Well, the first thing I wanted to mention is that over oh, the no. next couple casts, like after this, oh, no, oh, my gosh, um, bad news, uh, is that we're, we're going to start to do um, some shows with some new people as well. Um, we're going to start to bring in some some guests. We're going to start to do some some roundtable discussions where we're kind of all in the same room and we're discussing, you know, maybe maybe something like, you know, what would happen if Indiana Jones was an Avenger or, um, you know, maybe Star Wars or you know something like that. So we're definitely going to have some new episodes coming at you with a lot of different topics. Um, not only you know comic book topics, but we're going to be diving into some other things as and, well. And Max is saying all this because I'm getting fired after this episode for bringing yes. I was just going to say we just got too much. we just got fired yeah. real time. Like, yeah. that was too much dark <laughs> We've been canned. <laughs> you know, no severance checks for you. You know, but 
<laughs> but yeah, you you will definitely see Zach and Matt. Like they they're certainly not going anywhere, so they're going to still be with us. Um, you know, so so uh, yeah, definitely tune into those episodes that are going to be coming at you. Um, in the meantime, definitely follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us at TurboCast uh, Comics um, on Twitter, and we can also find us. Uh, Turbo Comics is basically everywhere, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us. Um, on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram at Turbo Comics. And then you can also find our web store at uh, TurboComicsShop.com. And we have tons of sales. We have tons of new books. We have tons of, you know, t-shirts and merch and vintage items, things like that for sale. So definitely come and check us out. Um, until then, it was a pleasure having uh, you guys on the show. Tons of Darkhawk. Yeah, tons, tons of, of Darkhawk, Dark man. Uh, definitely have, definitely uh, go and grab Annihilation listeners and, and read that. Let us know what you think. And uh, we can't wait to record for you again. And uh, until then, see you guys later. Bye, guys.